I heard a rumor that you watched all the new episodes of the Umbrella Academy before listening to this podcast. Otherwise, things things will be In this season of Behind the Scenes, we've talked to the creative geniuses behind the Umbrella Academy comic books, the writers of the Netflix television show, the people who find and design the show's sets, and the team who creates the musical moments. But if you strip away the incredible effects, the massive explosions, the intense fight scenes, and the unexpected song choices, you'll find that at its heart, this show is a family drama. A show about the complicated, sometimes twisted relationships between seven siblings and the people they become intertwined with. So, for our final episode, we talked to some of the actors who brought these characters to life. Hello, my name is Aiden Gallagher, and I play number five. Hi, my name is Justin H. Min, and I play Ben Hargreaves. Hello there, my name is Tom Hopper, and I play Luther Hargreaves. My name is Kate Walsh, and I hold the boom on Umbrella Academy. I'm just kidding, I play the handler. And I'm Brandon Jenkins, the host of the Behind the Scenes podcast. Today, we'll learn how these incredible actors came to the show, how they created their characters, and how it feels to inhabit them. When Aiden Gallagher got the call to audition for Five, a middle-aged assassin trapped in his teenage body, he didn't need to do much research. I approached Umbrella Academy very much as a fan. So when you first encountered the books, I'm curious, was who was your favorite character? Oh, no doubt Five. <laughs> what about him appealed to you when you saw like, okay, like I'm a fan of the books, but now I have to embody this. I have to, to carry on this, this, this torch. Five is this brilliant, tortured mind that spent 45 years alone and then went on a killing rampage throughout history. <laughs> and he's one of the most deadly, one of the most cruel, brilliant, coolest characters that I've ever had the privilege to read about. And the fact that I got to play him was a very interesting challenge. I'm 14 days older than him. I have seniority here. So it is me you should be listening to, Luther. I'm the daddy here! When I first got the script, I wasn't expecting the world to be nearly as developed or as in-depth as the comic book was, because naturally when you transition to film, some things get shaved away because it works better for a different format. But to my surprise and to my delight, the world and the characters were just as strange and off-the-cuff and weird and depthful as the comic book was. Are you a fan of time travel shows or, like, not really? Big fan. Big fan. I love time travel shows. I find the concept of time travel really interesting. I like the nature of how time travel has functioned in comic books and in movies and in television. Today, you are going to attempt to time travel forward to 2019. However, you are going to screw up the jump and end up in this twip of a body. Trapped forever, small, pubescent. Okay. The luxury of being on the project that is using time travel is you actually get to ask the creators and the writers. So if I have any questions before we shoot a scene about how something works logically, I can always get an answer within a few seconds. So very lucky. Aiden might have had an idea of what to expect of Umbrella Academy, but things were different for actor Justin H. Min. 
Before joining Umbrella, like, what did you know about the comics? Like, did you did you have any knowledge of them? Uh, no, not really, actually. But obviously, when I got the audition and after I had found out that I had booked the job, I sort of gobbled it up. I went to the nearest uh, bookstore and got them and, and read them, I believe, in, in one night. And uh, I, I've been a fan ever since. But reading up on the comics didn't help him much because Justin's character, Ben the dead brother, is barely featured in the original graphic novels, which created some complications in his audition process. And what were your thoughts when you found out that Ben, you know, is effectively a ghost? <laughs> the whole the whole process uh, was really interesting because even after I had booked the part, I actually didn't know who I was. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was funny because every time I auditioned for the part, the name had changed. So I wasn't sure if I was auditioning for the same character or a new <laughs> character. And uh, it was all very confusing. The only piece of information that I, uh, I was given at the time of the audition was that this was sort of a reclusive introvert and that he was a, a loyal brother type of character. And... Uh, I am a reclusive introvert, so so that really uh, so that really uh, resonated with me. But I had booked the part, and my agents and my manager were frantically trying to find out. Okay, now that Justin has booked this part, like who is he actually? And we still weren't getting very clear information. And then finally, they had gotten the information that it was part of the family. By then, all of the other announcements for all of the other family members had already come out. And so I was like, wait, I don't understand how I could be in the family anymore. <laughs> and then finally, I'd gotten to Toronto, and then our showrunner, Steve Blackman, had sort of broken the news to me about how even though Ben uh, is dead in the comics, that I would actually be alive somewhat. I I'm making air quotes right now <laughs> since you can't see me uh, somewhat alive uh, in the series. So... I was uh, very excited to, to sort of create this character from ground up. So what kind of research and preparation did you do to help create this role? Right. So I, I would say the majority of my research was just in talks with Steve, again, our showrunner. And to be honest, I actually was very thankful that he wasn't featured as much in the comics because I know all the other cast members, they had to deal with the pressure of trying to live up to this uh, comic yeah. book version of, of whoever these people were. And I never really uh, had to deal with that pressure. So it was amazing. And of course, uh, a lot of discussions with uh, Robbie as well, because, you know, Klaus and Ben's relationship is integral to the show. So it was a lot of that and, and sort of building as we went along. Yeah, I'm curious, like, how would you define Ben's relationship with Klaus? Is it similar to how you define your relationship with Robbie Sheehan? <laughs> uh, yeah, yes, yes. In, in a word, yes. Uh, I, I think from the first moment that I met Robbie, uh, we got drinks, I, I'd say, the, the night before we, we shot our first scene. And uh, there was an instantaneous chemistry, and we sort of had an instantaneous rapport and we joked around and you know i think our characters are essentially uh, heightened versions of ourselves uh, extensions of ourselves so it, it really worked in that way and i think the casting was great you think i'm just gonna keep following you everywhere for another three years yeah you are my ghost bitch remember i think their relationship is very similar to most brother 
uh, sibling relationships in the sense that they fight a lot, they're really dysfunctional, but at the end of the day, uh, they love each other, they have each other's backs, and uh, they want nothing but the best for each other. What was it like driving all this hot business? It, it was like having no skin, but still wanting to touch everything. I think um, by the time people finish season two, they'll understand that Umbrella Academy is great at cliffhangers. And one of the last scenes we see is the Sparrow Academy. So what can you tell us about Sparrow Academy version of Ben? How is he, how is he different? What do fans have to look forward to? Well, first of all, I, I, I should mention that I didn't know that he was going to come back as Sparrow Academy Ben. So once again, <laughs> I was left in the dark. Um, so... It's funny because when we were shooting that scene with Vanya in episode nine and I was saying goodbye to her, it was a really emotional scene for me. Can I ask you a weird favor? Anything. Can you hug me as I go? Obviously as the character, but even as Justin, because I, I thought at that point I was saying goodbye to the show. And even though Steve Blackman, our showrunner, was winking at me, I didn't really know what that meant. And, and I, 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 I truly did not want to assume that I would be back. So it was, it was really heartbreaking. Also, like no one else knew as well. So all the hair and makeup people and, and all of the other uh, PAs and, and sound guys that I had gotten so close to, they were all almost saying their goodbyes to me. And it was really emotional. <laughs> and, and, and then to, to get the last uh, scene, I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. It's really exciting to play a completely different character. I mean, it's funny that we were just talking about how I was able to sort of build Ben from the ground up. And here's another a perfect example of that. I mean, uh, the Sparrow Academy does exist in the comics, but Ben does not exist in that Sparrow Academy. So we're once again able to build sort of a character uh, from the ground up. I don't want to give too much away, but he's completely different from uh, the Ben that we know of in the first two seasons. And uh, he's not having it. He's not having it anymore. Who the hell are these assholes? Another character created for the show was the big bad herself, the handler. In fact, this character wasn't even created for a woman. But when Kate Walsh took on the role, she gave the handler a whole new life and a whole new wardrobe. Do you remember the first time you read the script and saw the handler character? Like, what were your first feelings? Yeah, well, it was actually interesting because Steve Blackman called me and said, we wrote this part called The Handler. We wrote it originally for John Hamm or like a John Hamm type. He's not going to do it. Do you want to? <laughs> so I was like, well, that's a first. I've never gotten a John Hamm type sloppy seconds. So I was like, send it over. And I thought it was amazing and funny. And one of the things I really loved about it was the humor and then he said, you know, look, there's not a massive budget because we've sort of, we've hired everybody, but, you know, I was like, well, do you have a wig budget and costume budget? He's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, good. Then I'm going to go. He goes, you can do whatever you want. Like go to town creating this character. So um, Chris uh, Harkonnen, our illustrious costume designer, and I, and the, and the hair and makeup department, we just went for it and leaned in and created this fabulous weirdo. <laughs> Have you sort of envisioned where the handler was before the commission? Like what that story looks like for this person before we see her as this like, you know, 
sort of corrupted monster like where we see her in like season two? She's always been sort of a little devil, like a bad seed, if you will. You know, like even when she was younger in the commission, she was still plotting, (laughs) you know, looking for power. But I also think like, look, it's super analogous. You could, I mean, you could stretch this and talk about this, you know, in many different ways, but well, maybe she was frustrated being a female in a man's world. And it's like, I'm going to take you all down, you know? So I'll just burn it down. Um, Yeah. Yeah. She's like a spider. That was why we use the spider motif and webs in this design and in the costumes a lot this season and brooches with bugs and spiders. And like, even when we, when she's in the warehouse with five sort of luring him in, she's circling him and circling him, like weaving this web around him with this big ultimate trap, you know, like a black widow. Together again. I've got to ask, did you miss me, you little shit? For a character like this that has like a ton of mystery surrounding her, but also like is fully formed, like when you meet her, you understand who she is. How do you go about creating a backstory for a character like this? You know, every role is different, but one of the great things about doing this particular role in Umbrella Academy is the fantastical nature of it. So to actually come at it from it's not just because I can't act and I need a bunch of wigs and <laughs> <laughs> hair and makeup and props and wardrobe, but to really come at it with this exoskeleton. And that's sort of where we were coming at. So I worked very, very closely, particularly season two with hair and makeup with Sarah. She was an amazing makeup artist season two and, and just worked as this unit to create this progression of her into, like I said, this sort of exoskeleton that she's wearing to kind of the, like the more corrupt she becomes, the more um, that she sort of wears it externally, like her insides or her outsides. Yeah. And like this bug motif and this military sort of thing that starts happening. Again, it was all like armor. Do you just feel like when you step into that and sort of get the first glimpse of yourself in the mirror, like, do you feel transformed, powerful? Yeah. You're like, who's she? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it literally took a village to get me into those looks. And there were so many layers upon layers. And it started with a corset, or it would start with Spanx, and then corset, and then another pair of Spanx, and then weird boob bras, and weird, oh my God. It was really like becoming like a transformer. <laughs> it, it, was, uh, it was really quite something. Careful. I want that ham straight enough to cut throats. While Kate used costumes to get into character, Tom Hopper had to pull off a complete transformation from his voice to his body. Hello there, my name is Tom Hopper and I play Luther Hargreaves on the Umbrella Academy. And yes, I'm not American. <laughs> I will say I'm a bit I'm a bit thrown off for it, but it's like I'm so used to watching the show and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. I, I do not know how you all managed to nail the American accent so well and we cannot do it in reverse. We just don't have that ability. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is, man. Like I, I grew up, you know, watching American sitcoms, you know, and like I, I was obsessed with friends growing up. I certainly didn't just have it naturally, you know, I've I've taken classes and, you know, had one on ones to to make sure that my accent is as good as it can be. Well, you've had me convinced up until this very moment right now. <laughs> well, um, thanks, man. That's good to know. <laughs> your character, Luther, is also the character that goes through the most physical transformation from the comics to television. How did you approach it? Yeah, I mean, it was a big conversation piece, like very early on. I mean, I was, I think I was the first to be cast in the show. So it was a conversation me and Steve had very early on, and there was lots of chats back and forth about whether I was going to 
put on the majority of the size myself and they were going to like slim him down very much from what he was in the comic and he would just look a little bit off but I think the first thing that we he wanted to do was uh, have me get as big as I could that was one thing they uh, him and Peter Hoare who directed the pilot so we had a conversation over Skype early on they showed me a picture this reference picture of what they wanted him to look like <laughs> and I was like oh man that's impressive and they were like yeah, that's all you, man. You got to get that. And I was like, oh, oh, oh shit. Okay. Um, so I went to town on the weights and stuff, man. I like, like went really hard and I was doing everything. I was eating so much food to get as big as I could because they were like, oh, this, they want this guy to be big. So, and I'm, I'm a big health freak. So I, w- I don't, you know, take any kind of chemical things or anything like that. So I was doing it all with real whole food and like vegetables. I mean, all my diet is vegetables and stuff. So, I was eating more sweet potato than I think anyone's eaten ever in history. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was, I was smashing a lot of food. And then very close to shooting, when we first arrived in Toronto, I'd sort of ballooned, I think, since the last time Steve had seen me. But he was like, oh, yeah, so we, uh, we're going to go with a suit. <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, oh, oh, sure, sure. So I had actually ballooned quite a bit, way bigger than what I, like my normal fighting weight, you know. So. You'll start, you actually see as you go through the, the first season, it kind of works well because Luther's been up on the moon doing nothing. So he just looks a bit chubby and a bit like lazy. And then, and then he kind of slims down from the season. Yeah. And then in season two, he's like fighting again. He's like a little bit leaner. He's been on the chicken and broccoli. You know, he's been, <laughs> he's been properly slimmed down. So many people asked me if that was my real body. It was hilarious. I thought, who, who looks like that? Now, this guy's got muscles that no human's got. Yeah, that would be a science experiment, literally. Look at what you did to me! Look at it! But I tell you what the funniest story was, actually, was when my wife came to set. And she was like, I think I find you more attractive like this. When she saw it, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, really? I'm of simian proportions. <laughs> and she was like, no, there's something about it. I really like it. But then also, my daughter... Who, who was, uh, what, she must have been about 10 months, I think, at the time. It was the most confusing moment of her life so far because she was like, that's my dad, but it's not my dad's body. <laughs> what the hell has <laughs> happened to my dad's body? Yeah, burst into tears when you saw it. She, it, took her, it took her a good 10 seconds of burst into tears, but she figured out that she did not like it. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Can you walk us through the day-to-day of getting ready to play Luther? And by that, I mean, like, you know, what time do you have to wake up just to wear these prosthetics? Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm pretty, I'm, people think I'm nuts, but I'm pretty hardcore when it comes to like my training and stuff. So I'm usually in the gym by like half three, four, if I've got like a 5, 5 a.m. pickup. Whoa. So it sets me up for the day. So I get in the gym, I get over to set, and I'm there, but it's just like me and the prosthetics guys and like Maddie who runs the base camp there um, on, on set. So it takes about two hours to put it on. The guys have got so good at it, they got it down to like an hour and a half by the end of the first season two. But Whoa. Yeah, so they, they, were, they were really, they became very efficient at it. And so the, the big bulk of it, like the torso, is all one suit, right? So you put the torso on. The thing that takes the time is the neck piece and the hand pieces. So they're the bits that, you know, there's all the painting and the gluing and like, especially if I've got any uh, facial prosthetics, like this year I had, or the beat up makeup as well, which was a big facial prosthetic as well. So you've got that as well. Like, yeah, you're talking about sometimes like over two and a half, three hours to get that thing on. Jeez. 
the biggest, the, the, the hardest thing is you've got to make sure uh, you have gone to the toilet before <laughs> you get in that thing because there's no exit tube out the back, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, if, you have a, if you have a situation during the day, uh, that could be a problem. They're cutting you out of that thing. But there is a, they've been kind enough to give me a zip hole um, at the front. So I, I do get to pee. But very often, you know, I sweat so much in that thing, especially when I do a fight scene. You know, those fight scenes at the beginning of season two, man, I was sweating so much. I barely peed the entire day. Just all this, like, just this heat of this suit. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're doing it. I mean, it must weigh, I don't know how much it weighs now. Probably about 15 pounds, I guess. 20 pounds. That's wild. I'm wondering, um, how, how does Luther's physical appearance affect you as an actor? Like, how does that translate to him and his character? Yeah, it's actually, when I first put the suit on, it was, I thought, oh my God, this is going to be uh, quite cumbersome. You know, this is going to be really tough to, to maintain every yeah. day. And then actually, as soon as I started playing Luther with it on, it was so good because that, that suit, you know, that body that Luther has, that's a burden to him. You know, it's a real, what makes him so self-conscious and that that deep-rooted insecurity that Luther has that we see in the show very often, it all comes from this body that he just never wanted. He wasn't supposed to be this way. You know, he's got a deformity in his head. And what, what was so great, every time I put that suit on, it felt uncomfortable, it felt hot, it felt that this guy I was betraying was uncomfortable. And every day I put that on, I, it was like I put Luther on, you know, and it made it so much easier to access what it was like to feel uh, like he does, you know, insecure and like a big guy uh, and internally is feeling very small and uh, insecure. What if we're just a bunch of freaks who have no business changing the world no, for everyone everyone else? Everyone changes the world, Luther. Everyone. And it's scary, but that's kind of the deal. You know, you are so... Goddamn big. Sometimes I forget what a sensitive bastard you are. It takes a tight-knit, dedicated community to create any season of television. And we only had the chance to speak to a handful of people on the incredible team that made season two of the Umbrella Academy happen. But we hope this gives you even a small glimpse into the hard work and talent required to make the fun and exciting TV shows you love. You know what? I'll let Tom Hopper tell you. He said it best with his British accent. So the biggest thing for me is all that work that everyone put in, that entire team, that family, that Umbrella Academy family. This crew worked tirelessly in the snow, in the baking heat, everyone. Like, and, and, and same to like the social media team and like the, everyone who does the marketing and makes the show the product that it is. You know, it's, it's a huge hats off to a massive team effort and I'm, I'm so proud to be a part of it. Behind the Scenes The Umbrella Academy Season 2 was produced by Netflix and Pineapple Street Studios. Our executive producers are Ray Vada, Max Linsky, Jenna Weiss-Berman, and Barry Finkel. This production was led by producer Melissa Slaughter. Our senior producer is Eric Minnell, and our associate producer is Maria Robbins-Somerville. Editing by Maddie Sprungkaiser. Hannes Brown is our engineer extraordinaire who made everyone's at-home recordings sound amazing. Special thanks to Mackenzie Carlson, Ray Marillo, Megan Tucker, and Matt Harper. And finally, 
I'm your host, Brandon Jenkins. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe for the next season, where we'll be diving into another fantastic Netflix series. Till next time.